at this point in time, um, it doesn't do the party or anyone else any good to go out there and denigrate other folks who are running right now. There's just no place for it. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Finally a day off on Capitol Hill in the midst of this Senate impeachment trial. But what's coming next? Will the Senate vote to call any witnesses? And what are Indiana lawmakers saying about the process? We have team coverage today from our Washington Bureau, and we start with Raquel Martin. Wednesday, Democrats began their arguments against the president, but without any of the new evidence they wanted. Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin says she's disappointed after Republicans rejected all Democratic attempts to include new witnesses and evidence on Tuesday. My Senate Republican friends are focused more on supporting and defending the president, not supporting and defending the Constitution. President Trump had no interest in fighting corruption. Wednesday, Democrats pointed to already admitted documents and witnesses' testimonies. They say proved the president abused his power and violated the law. His interest was in furthering corruption by the announcement of investigations that were completely without merit. Still, the White House and many Republicans say the evidence is biased. It doesn't show the president did anything worthy of impeachment. There's no proof that there's been wrongdoing. Senator Mike Braun says he's unconvinced. I'm not saying it's appropriate. I'm saying that it didn't happen. They're on a crusade to destroy this man, and they don't care what they destroy in the process. And Senator Lindsey Graham punched back at Democrats, accusing Republicans of a cover-up. I'm covering up nothing. I'm exposing your hatred of this president. In Washington, Raquel Martin. All right, thanks, Raquel. Senator Mike Braun has been front and center this week, speaking to the media several times in the midst of this impeachment trial. And he also spoke with our Trevor Shirley, who joins us now from Washington. Trevor? Well, Dan, good morning. A major sticking point here in Washington remains whether or not we're going to see more witnesses called during this impeachment trial. It's something that Democrats are really in favor of, but most Republicans say they've already heard from all of the witnesses that they need to. Earlier this week, I caught up with Indiana Senator Mike Braun. Here's what he had to say on the issue of witnesses. We'll know whether we need more information once we get through the first part of this. So I think the witness issue, uh, it's disingenuous because every Democrat says, well, we're only talking about our witnesses. And when you talk about the witnesses, and that will be reciprocal if we get to it. And then the whole discussion gets murky because they think all of our witnesses are irrelevant. Uh, you know, I don't buy that. So. Uh, We'll get through the first phase, and a lot of senators may not have been paying as close of attention to it as I have along the way. And they'll come, maybe come to the same conclusion, that uh, this is not rising to the level of being impeached. But I watched it closely when it was over in the House, and I was looking for one new piece of information rather than just a repackaging or a remarketing. I didn't see it. And even some Democratic senators that I talked to this week say they're even skeptical that their party has the ability to pull over those four Republican votes that they need to call more witnesses. Again, that vote is expected to happen later this week. Reporting in Washington, I'm Trevor Shirley for In Focus. All right, thanks, Trevor. Let's get more reaction now from Indiana lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, including my conversation this week with Congressman Andre Carson, who took part in the impeachment hearings in the House Intelligence Committee. I asked the congressman what he thought of the case the impeachment managers presented. 
Do you think they're making an effective case? I think, I think the impeachment managers are making a very solid case. All of them are very capable. Uh, I served with a couple of them now on the Intelligence Committee, and I think that they're doing a good job of presenting the evidence. Uh, my hope is that more Americans are starting to pay attention about the grave violations that we have seen repeatedly under this president's leadership and his administration. Do you think Americans are paying attention to the impeachment process, or, or do you think many people have already made their minds up? I think some have made their minds up. I think that there is a very serious degree of buyer's remorse. I think uh, there are some people who have become indifferent to the constant barrage of toxicity and violations by this president. But I think more and more people are paying attention. People are stopping me at restaurants, grocery stores, uh, of all stripes, Republicans, independents, Democrats, uh, who are saying enough is enough. And I think that they want us to get back to a place where civility is, is paramount, where respecting others' opinions uh, is of priority, and to get away from the toxic leadership that this president continually demonstrates. Senator Braun gave a press conference this week where he said he didn't think some of this actually happened in terms of um, perhaps the, the quid pro quo for, for military funding for Ukraine. And he said, in his words, that we're going to get down to the merits of the case, and that's why the president will be vindicated with a verdict of acquittal. What's your response to that? Well, I, respect, uh, I respectfully disagree with the senator's opinion. Uh, I'd like to say, and, and, and the nonpartisan uh, government uh, accountability office, the GAO, <laughs> the GAO has... Um, uh, come up with uh, an assessment, and the GAO is nonpartisan, that the president did in fact uh, attempt to use taxpayer-approved dollars to hold over the heads of a strategic ally to force them to investigate a political rival. So if the GAO, which is a nonpartisan entity, is saying the very same thing that Democrats are saying, then I think um, that's a very credible um, degree of offenses and cooperations to, uh, to co-sign against this president. And I hope that many in the Senate will demonstrate a kind of boldness that will ultimately result in Donald Trump's removal from office. I think the Senate has a responsibility to remove this would-be dictator. If they allow Donald Trump to continue with his violations, they are co-signing a dictatorship. You know, this has been a very divisive process. Uh, and so the, that's the main gist of what I'm hearing around the district. Why don't we get back to getting health care costs down and working on drug pricing? And so that's the major thing that I'm hearing. Uh, the GAO reports are an opinion, and the opinion of the budget office at the White House, the Office of Management Budget, the OMB, was that they did not violate the law, and let me tell you why. Because even though the money was appropriated, they had until the end of the fiscal year to actually uh, give the aid, and they did. They beat the deadline by quite a number of days, and so the money that was appropriated by Congress for that fiscal year was given to the Ukrainians in aid before the deadline. I mean, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty in this country. In contrast to some of the Democrats who are saying, well, the president has to prove his innocence. That's not the way the Constitution reads. And so once he, if he's proven innocent and acquitted by the Senate, I think he, he'll move forward. I think hopefully the Congress will also. I know I will.
Congressman Larry Bouchon there talking with our affiliate in Evansville. Also weighing in on the impeachment trial this week, Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill joining other Republican AGs in Washington to defend the president. We have two articles of impeachment that are vague, that do not set forth crimes, and it's appalling. As my colleagues have indicated, this would not stand in a court of law. It's completely, completely anti-fair, and we demand that the Senate repudiate in the strongest terms this process and return it to fairness. The attorney general still waiting on a ruling on whether he can keep his license to practice law after facing groping allegations in 2018. Meantime, the AG and the governor still on a bit of a, a collision course politically. This week, Governor Holcomb filed the paperwork to make his bid for re-election official. When it comes to fundraising and signatures, he's got a big advantage over his potential opponents. But when it comes to Curtis Hill, who we just heard from in D.C., the governor's still facing a potentially big dilemma in the months to come. Having called for the AG's resignation, how will that dynamic play out on the campaign trail with the governor and attorney general both seeking re-election? Will the governor endorse one of Hill's opponents? He was asked about the situation this past week. I'm going to not interfere with a co-equal branch of government as they do there to work, and I'm just as anxious to see what, uh, what steps they take before I take them. Governor Holcomb speaking to the media there on Monday. We'll talk about that with our panel coming up. Also ahead, we'll take you to Iowa. In the final days before the caucus, we'll check in with a group of voters from Iowa and look at the latest polls. And as some of the presidential candidates meet with America's mayors, we'll hear from two Indiana mayors on opposite sides of the aisle. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Let's bring in our panel right now to talk about everything in the news this week from D.C. to the State House. We're joined today by former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, Democratic strategist Laura Beck, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign, Tony Samuel, and former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Robin, I'll start with you. Did Democrats make an effective case for removing the president from office? They made an effective case to voters. They didn't make an effective case to Mitch McConnell, who was standing right in front of them, but they made a tremendous case to voters. And we had some superstars come out of our, out of our group that uh, were good managers. Val Deming from uh, Orlando did a tremendous job, former police chief. I mean, there, it was just really great. I think we did a good job making the case to voters but not to the Republican-controlled Senate. The president, meanwhile, spent uh, part of the week overseas, also spoke at the March for Life in D.C., and in, in terms of impeachment, spent a lot of time on Twitter as well, pushing back against those House impeachment measures. Sure, but he's also getting his work done. I mean, he's, he's showcasing everything that we've accomplished, the Dow, above 29,000, 7 million jobs created while he's been president, uh, the lowest unemployment ever. Uh, all of these great indi economic indicators more people working, uh, their wages going up, and having to deal, of course, with this, uh, uh, this uh, hoax of an impeachment. Um, yes, Democrats are making their case to the same people that were already with them before losing ground with the general public. Less and less folks are watching this, and they don't care about this. They know it's fake, uh, you, fake hoax. How do you guys see the, the past few days play out? 
Um, I, I agree with Robin. I, I think that Robin makes a great point that, yes, we, we did make a strong case to voters. Um, I probably, unlike most Americans, have watched and listened much to much of it. Um, and I think when you see the evidence and you see all of it, it does really tell the compelling story, especially when you when you layer in that witness testimony. Um, the challenge is going to be that um, fair trials need witnesses. And if the Senate decides to block it um, and to block those witnesses, I think it speaks volumes about the chokehold that Donald Trump has on the Congress. Any chance for Republicans vote uh, to bring no, witnesses next no, week? I don't you don't think, think so. They will? I think this whole thing is a worthless exercise. I think Schiff did a great job in his opening statements, but I don't think he presented the, the quality evidence I had hoped he would. And there's not going to be a real, this isn't a real trial, really, frankly. And the, the smartest person in Washington this week was Mike Pence because he got the heck out of there and went to Israel. <laughs> he was That's overseas. his habit. Get away during <laughs> well. controversial Usually he times. comes back to Indianapolis or to yeah, Indiana. He's smart. He, he does. Smart. He always he's does. Yeah. Let's talk about Indiana Senator Mike Braun as well. Very visible this week defending the president. He's also been taunted a bit on Twitter by Lev Parnas' <laughs> attorney who tweeted this picture of Braun with Parnas and Rudy Giuliani from the campaign trail in 2018. Senator Braun saying... There's no substance to this, that he met briefly with Rudy and didn't really know who Parnas was at the time. He's also been scrutinized for perhaps changing his tune somewhat when it comes to his views on the president's actions. Some of this uh, stuff that's being discussed, I think, was inappropriate uh, on the part of the president, not impeachable. There's no proof that there's been wrongdoing. I'm not saying it's appropriate. I'm saying that it didn't happen. What's your reaction to all, to all of that, Robert, and to the way our, our senators are positioning themselves on impeachment? Uh, they're marionettes of Mitch McConnell. They're positioning themselves perfectly. They're not going to go away from the Republican brand. You guys know they're not going to do that. Braun just got reelected. I mean, just got elected with Donald Trump campaigning for him. He's not going to go against Donald Trump. You also heard Congressman uh, Carson say earlier in his words that Republicans are, quote, co-signing a, a dictatorship. These are divisive times, divisive words. Yeah, I mean, they are trying to outdo each other for who can, um, I'd say, the most uh, uh, most rhetorical, most uh, uh, statements to get the most attention is what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. But let me just try to explain the big picture. They, the Democrats in the House and now in the Senate know that he's not going to be convicted and removed from office. That's why they delayed this until we can get in, heavier into the election year. What they're trying to do is influence the slim uh, majority of voters uh, in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania that voted for President Trump, the independents, and say to them, hey, you can't vote for this guy. Look at all the bad things that, that's been said about him. And, you know, they're getting somewhere with that kind of strategy. Republicans have to uh, pay attention and come out and vote and make sure that they don't get away with this sham. Well, I think what's interesting is, you know, the pendulum can shift in politics and it can shift sure. very rapidly. Sure. And when you see Mike Braun or Senator Braun staying up there saying it didn't happen, I mean, that's a campaign ad right there. Um, because when he runs again, who knows what will have come out is about, space for, about, about in the, the middle about it. politically these days in between it didn't happen and Republicans are co-signing a, a dictator. Well, I think Todd Young is comments. playing it right down he the middle. He hasn't really made he's any been, comments. Uh, he's been this, very this cautious and discreet, <clears throat> and I think he will be rewarded for that by the voters. He said he now, won't comment until Mike the Braun's, trial's done. Yeah, yeah, the difference between Mike Braun's first statement and his second statement is before the second statement he got his talking points. And that's it. And it's not going to hurt him election-wise because he's not running again for four years. Nobody's going to remember this. 
Trouble beyond to a but different scandal. I, I, I say, say if we, on. yeah, but I think going back to Senator Young, he is elevating his national profile, particularly with his role with the NRSCC, and I think he is doing a lot of that is a reflection yeah. of that. Less about representing Indiana. Let's also change gears and talk about some news that the State House Governor Holcomb officially filing for re-election this past week has a huge advantage in terms of fundraising and also signatures. A potential Republican challenger and both of his potential Democratic opponents have yet to turn in signatures to qualify for the ballot. We talked about this on our podcast last week. Iowa's eight days away. Is there any chance if, if Mayor Pete doesn't do well there, he gets into this race for governor? I know there's been speculation about well, that. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, he'd have to get signatures. He'd have to you get still, signatures. You still have to get, just right. so your viewers know, you've got to get 4,500 mm -hmm. certified registered voter signatures to be on the ballot. And that's going to be a very tight timeline for anybody. Um, I don't know where Woody and, and, and the other guy is on trying to get Haven't their ballot. Haven't tuned in many yet. The well, other, I don't know where they are. The other big there. story at the State House this week, the Gaming Commission, um, now dealing with a situation uh, perhaps uh, involving illegal campaign contributions that could hold up some of the casino projects in Indiana. A very dark cloud descended over the city of Indianapolis and the entire gaming industry on Friday. Uh, obviously, you know, the U.S. attorney's not naming names. Some of the newspapers are naming names. Right. Um, it's too early to see how this will play out, but I expect it to expand at some point. We may talk more about that on our podcast. Coming up, we are just a week away from Iowa. We're going to hear what caucus goers are saying about former Mayor Pete Buttigieg. That's coming up next. We need to turn the page with a different kind of politics than the one that brought us to this point. Former Mayor Pete Buttigieg on the campaign trail in Iowa with the all-important Iowa caucus now just eight days away. And I'm joined now by Importantville's Adam Wren, who's also a contributing editor at Politico and Indianapolis Monthly. You are on your way to Iowa here to cover the campaign. And this really could be a, a make-or-break moment for the former mayor's campaign for president. Absolutely, Dan. He really needs to um, you know, finish in one of the top three spots. Uh, there are going to be three different uh, numbers that we get from that night. Uh, so if he's not in the top three spots or at least doesn't beat uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, it's going to look really grim for him. They're both kind of in that moderate lane, you might say. What about the dynamics here the next few days? Many of his com competitors, who are also in the U.S. Senate, stuck in Washington with the impeachment trial, is that truly going to be an advantage or, or not so much since that's also the case for the former vice president, Joe that's Biden? That's right. You know, he was picking uh, up as many as four or five events a day this past week. He was on uh, four front pages of local Iowa newspapers, uh, Buttigieg was. And so he's really trying to um, run up the score as much as he can with, with people in uh, back in D.C. Uh, he's really focused on 31 counties that uh, switched from Trump or Obama to Trump yeah. in 2016, and that might be why he's going on Fox News later tonight to make his case to right-leaning voters. That's right, a Fox News town hall tonight, but we mentioned impeachment because of the impeachment trial. CNN actually canceling its town halls with the candidates next week. Perhaps the candidates might be overshadowed, at least nationally by impeachment, maybe not on the ground in Iowa, right? Yeah, in, in Iowa, when I've talked to voters there um, in recent days, they, they have not brought up impeachment. It's something they don't uh, appear to be uh, paying close attention to. So Buttigieg is really making a bet that within this last week or so, he can really uh, eclipse his competitors like uh, Senator Warren and Senator Sanders. All right, let's see where things stand right now in the polls. Here's the real clear politics average of all the recent polls in Iowa. The former mayor now in fourth place, just behind Senator Warren. Joe Biden still out in front. We talked about hearing from the voters. Let's hear from some of them now, some undecided voters who spoke with our affiliate in Des Moines. Buttigieg. 
centers. I heard he was too young. He's a privileged white guy in America, and he's LGBT, but I mean, yeah. The Mayor Pete thing, to me, came off as saccharine sweet. And the moment I heard some say, oh, but you know, Mayor Pete, I was like, oh, that's, that's how you want me to refer to a presidential candidate? All right, part of a focus group there called the Deciders. This particular group of uh, likely caucus goers doesn't seem to be supporting the former mayor in large number. Any concern in their campaign about how some of the poll numbers have slipped in recent weeks? Well, they, they will say that they're not paying attention to the polls. They really are putting their faith in their ground operation. They believe they have a lot of um, you know, employees on the ground who can help them uh, over the finish line. So it really comes down to their, their ground game operation, I think, for them. All right, Adam Wren, safe travels out there in Iowa. We'll talk to you out there in the coming days. Former Mayor Buttigieg and former Mayor Mike Bloomberg joined hundreds of current mayors from Indiana and across the country at the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Bloomington's mayor was also there showing his support for Mayor Pete. I've known Pete for 10 years. He's a good friend and a very talented person. I, there are many candidates that I uh, appreciate uh, and will support. I'm a Democrat, uh, but Pete has a special uh, place in my heart and uh, he's doing a great job. Other Indiana mayors also attended the bipartisan conference, including Republican Mayor Jim Brainerd from Carmel. A member of the party that gets stuff done. And I think that applies to mayors across the country. We're focused on getting things done for our community, not on partisan politics. The national conference was held here in Indianapolis in 2016. Well, today on CBS4, some Big Ten basketball as the Hoosiers host Maryland, followed by PGA Tour Golf and the Grammy Awards. And don't forget, next Sunday on Fox 59, Super Bowl 54 between the Chiefs and the 49ers. We've got you covered all day long, including a Super Bowl special from Miami on Sunday morning, leading up to the pregame coverage on Fox. Now, because of our special Super Bowl Sunday programming on Fox 59, you'll need to get in focus next week on CBS 4. We'll have a preview of the Iowa caucus and much more from Capitol Hill to the Statehouse next Sunday at 8.30 a.m. only on CBS 4. And we're back with this week's winners and losers right after this. Let's pick this week's winners and losers. Robin. Democrats that presented the case to Congress against the president, losers are those blinded by the light that say he did nothing wrong. Tony. My losers are those same <laughs> Democrats because it's all just based on innu innuendo and hearsay, trying to fool the American public. Winner is President Trump for being the first president to speak to the March of Life rally on Friday. Lauren. My winner is this panel because we can engage in civil discourse <laughs> with each other. Uh, my loser is Senator Mike Young for introducing legislation that is big brother on uh, Marion County prosecutor. Mike. Two big losers. Their idea is the first is that somehow uh, utilities should not be able to shut down a coal plant without going to the IURC. And the second is the idea that somehow we should make it illegal to implant computer chips in people's bodies. It's, you'd think that's something better to think about over there. Right, we think about a lot of things here. Much more on our podcast. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Let's talk more on our podcast now. Robin Winston, Tony Samuel, Laura Beck, Mike Murphy. A lot of things happening this week, and obviously we, we spoke a lot about impeachment there on the TV program, but a lot of things happening at the Statehouse. You alluded to a couple of them there at the end, Mike and Laura. Well, um, first of all, who's this new anchor with his deep with voice? With the deeper voice, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, it must be Bob Donaldson. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, a little bit of chest cold mixed I, I in to my like, normal Murphy must just sit tones. around and make up these jokes. He does, and he like, does I a great job I think you just do that all the time. I know. 
And I love what you had to say about microchips at the end. Oh my gosh! I thought we're going to have to microchip you just to keep track of all this. This this was this is one of those bills at the state house. Yeah, you know, there's crazy bills every year, but I tell you, whenever you have one party rule, so explain this and what this bill was. A lot of crazy ideas get through. They just do. This is a bill that deals with the possibility that this might be a thing one day. Yes, yes, and they want to make sure that Hoosiers are protected. In case it, you know, it ever crosses the ocean, this this legislator claims that they actually do this in the Netherlands as a condition of employment, and they supposedly employers who microchip employees. They put microchip between the fat skin between your thumb and your forefinger, and that um, like they do dogs apparently, right or whatever cats, cats. yeah, cats. yeah. Um, and so he felt the patriotic duty, and I'm sure he was thinking about protecting me and everybody else here at the table, right. that he's going to make sure that, you know, that the owner of this station never, ever microchips us. us. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you can't make this stuff up. It's just bizarre. The legislature deals with all kinds of issues oh, that, yes, that pop was, up and issues that, that yeah. aren't on people's radar, right? And, and John Russell from the IVJ did a tweet this week and it was asking about part-time versus full-time legislatures. And I said, well, full-time legislatures bring up, you know, full-time stupid ideas. And he said, well, give me some examples. I said, how many hours do you have? Right. You well, you, you talked about uh, on the program, too, that, that this bill yeah. uh, dealing with marijuana, Senator Mike Young, with a bill that would allow... Uh, the attorney general to yeah. override um, what's decided at the county level, and obviously a lot's been made this year yeah. about Marion County deciding not to yeah. uh, not to pursue cases of criminal possession yeah. of marijuana, yep. of small amounts of marijuana. Senate Bill 436, and it's concurrent criminal jurisdiction from the for the attorney general. And yes, it gives the attorney general jurisdiction over the local prosecutor, which. Um, I always think it's funny that the Republicans love small government unless it's something the Democrats are doing that they don't like. Then you have to have, you know, big government come in. So, yeah, it's it's a bad public policy decision. You also saw State Senator Mike Young go back and forth this week with uh, Karen Tallian and Senator Taylor about uh, bills dealing with marijuana and whether they could be heard in committee, whether there's mm -hmm. still time to hear them. I thought the prosecutor in Marion County, at least when we made it a priority, Oversaw illegal activity does, in state absolutely. government. Still does. Yes. Yep. So now you Still would have does. that usurped by uh -huh. the attorney general yes. of the state. Mm -hmm. Yes, the Marion County prosecutor. That's very does. interesting. And, and they have in fact, over in a year where the Marion County <laughs> prosecutor's office did, in fact, investigate the attorney, uh, the attorney general. general. And, and, yeah. and, the, and if I'm I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding is that the Marion County prosecutor is the only prosecutor in the state that can that can prosecute crimes in any county of the state. Interesting. Yep. I don't remember that. I'd have to check. And the, Mike, you also they mentioned uh, this yeah. whole explosive story uh, dealing with uh, Indiana's casinos and what may happen next with the casino in Terre Haute, with the casino in Gary. Could these projects be in jeopardy somewhat because of this report out this week in the Washington Post? Well, they're Post. certainly on hold. And interestingly enough, the, the only competition for the Terre Haute uh, casino declined to submit a, a proposal of the group out of, I don't know where they're from, I assume Las Vegas, Full House. They're focusing more on something between Chicago and um, Wisconsin now. And so, you know, would there even be, if you don't have spectacle, would, you even, would there even be a, a taker, so to speak, for the Terre Haute Casino? They may have to wait a year. They may have to reissue, you know, RFPs and all that. I have no idea. There was going to be a hearing February 7th. Everything seemed to be moving along, along but that off. hearing's yeah. now been yeah. uh, delayed. Uh, how, how explosive does this story remain politically here in Indiana? Do you well, think it's going to be huge. I'm sure it made an earthquake through the gaming industry here. But, you know, I'm, without saying it, I think a lot of people have an idea of who is being targeted by this. And um, 
we'll see how all the prosecution comes out. Remember, that's the Eastern District of Virginia. Mm -hmm. So that's the Virginia suburbs right outside of D.C. So mm -hmm. that's where you're going to have, uh, they're totally separate. They're not local flavor. It's going to be a totally different environment. One report that some uh, campaign contributions may have been illegally funneled to former state Senator Brent Waltz when he was a candidate for Congress in 2016. I know a lot of people are talking about this. Tony, I know you've worked with people in the gaming industry. A lot of concern about this here. I know it's just broken here in the last 24 hours. Sure, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. What, I'm definitely concerned, and I, I uh, agree with what's been said already, but... Um, We'll have to wait and see what the prosecution brings and how this plays out. It's important for the gaming industry to protect their reputation as an industry. It's tough enough. They're already because frankly, there's been a lot of expansion. Well, there's, and there's the already the, you know the industry comes under sus suspicion or whatever you want to call it question just because of the nature of the industry. It, you know, but if you look back many years ago when one of the casino companies don't remember which one was flying prostitutes in to Southern Indiana, the gaming industry kind of circled the wagons and and really crack down on that company. And I think they'll do the same thing here. They have to protect the industry as a whole, and that's up to people like you know Matt Bell and others whose job that is to do Well, that. as we said, it's expanded a lot I, every week. In fact, this past week, mm -hmm. you heard again about now you can bet on the Oscars right, in Indiana, exactly. right? There, yeah. there have been a lot of new developments. Meryl uh, Street. Quickly moving. Yeah. Meryl Street. Right. Meryl Street. Meryl Street, you think? Well, exactly. okay, that's where you that's know. the same money. I, I don't know. I haven't seen one. <laughs> She's even up. I didn't see very many of the Oscars. Yeah. Other, movies other, than, other than the uh, Avengers, that's all I, all I got in my repertoire. <laughs> and Avengers in the NBA. Um, yeah. I, I think the other part, too, is when you talk about these type of cases, when it's being, as Robin said, it's the it's Virginia, but it's also the U.S. Attorney's Office. And whenever the U.S. Attorney's Office and the Department of Justice get involved, um, I think there's always um, cause for for concern if you're a target of those investigations. But the other thing, first of all, they re, they, the, the U.S. Attorney, um, and again, I'm not an attorney, but the U.S. Attorney referred to one company and one person as Company A uh -huh. and Person A. That's an ominous sign when they start referring to you by a letter. More to come. Mm -hmm. number, yeah, number one. And number two, because it is the Virginia FBI, the Virginia U.S. Attorney, I should say, mm -hmm. they have no relationships here. They, have, they can be completely mm -hmm. cutthroat. There's no, nobody's going to get a hall pass because of this. They're going to play it by the book, and we don't know how it's going to turn out because we really don't entirely know what's all alleged. Well, and the jury will be there. Remember, the jury won't be downtown. It'll be in Virginia. The other piece too is when you read when you read the articles and these are this is the very early reporting. Um, Brent Waltz did acknowledge that he had been investigated yes. several years, had cooperated with investigators several years ago. So this is something that clearly has been out there for quite some time. You know, they they raided the offices in uh, Maryland in September of seventeen. Sure. So Company A and Person A have known about this for right two two and a half years, two two years plus, Ooh. and I'm sure they've. They've been getting their legal advice from somebody. We'll keep watching that so story. Should we not as it continues talk about who we're betting for on the Super Bowl? Well, sure. I mean, that's that's coming next week, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you like the Chiefs? I don't know. The I've, Niners? I've I don't spent know. Pretty, countless hours listening to my 12-year-old break right? down all of it. So talking to him is like having a book. And, and by the way, I'll put in another plug. We did on TV the Super Six Bowls on Fox 59. Because of that, we'll only be on CBS 4 next Sunday morning here on In Focus. What else got overshadowed this week? Uh, because of impeachment, obviously, dominating the headlines. At the state or the national level, what are you keeping your eyes on? Iowa. Didn't come get a lot on. of attention. Iowa's Iowa. coming in. I mean, come on, you know, I mean. Just a, a week and a half. Candidate, you got some of the people sitting in there as, as senators right. on the jury. They can't be out stumping in Dubu Dubuque or you got Dave Chappelle stumping for you. Yeah, right, but I, I mean, mean, they're who, not there. Who else to stump? So Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg have free reign in Iowa to keep Iowa, things to themselves. Iowa, 
there's dark money. Uh, Buttigieg is uh, alleging that these dark money groups are, are fun, uh, that funded by or, or backed by Bernie. Bernie dark money groups are, are funding attacks from against socialists. Buttigieg. From so this was on right. Infowars.com. Right. We've not talked about, and what is a big deal is the fact that Hillary Clinton trashed the heck out of, out of Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders. Week. Said and nobody likes him. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you had to think, but I, if Bernie Sanders wins the Iowa primary, I think the Democratic Party comes down on him like a ton of bricks. They cannot afford to have Bernie Sanders. Because it looks like he may nominee. win New Hampshire. He has a pretty big yeah. lead in the latest poll from New yeah, Hampshire. Yeah, next door. Well, yeah, I mean, so he should. Yeah. He cannot be the nominee. Should, right. If you guys think you're going to have a chance, he cannot be the nominee. That's what we said to you about Donald Trump. <laughs> Your thoughts, Robin? You we still got time response. for Iowa. I still, I still <laughs> think we got time. Contested convention is what I'm, I'm thinking. Oh, you right? Oh, yeah. I, well, just going, oh, just going back, though, I know we, we did. I, I'm happy to say something about what Hillary Clinton said. And, and David Axelrod, I think, had a, had a great response. And, and I agree with it. It's, I mean, really, at this point in time, um, it doesn't do the party or anyone else any good to go out there and denigrate other folks who are running right now. It just, it, it is absolutely, it, there's just no place for it. And every, every, you're making a big face. No, I'm just thinking. You're surprised I said that. But, and the Republicans do it too, but I was, I was really disappointed. I was really disappointed. Does anybody in the Democratic Party have the authority or the gravitas to tell Hillary Clinton to go away? Your time is past. Go away, go sit on a beach. I think the voters did that. Yeah, so, I think you're right. still mouthing off. <laughs> yeah, I, think I know, voters, but I think yeah. the voters did that. Yeah, it you doesn't know, do. Uh, you no. have to respect her as a former First Lady and Secretary of State, but the voters did that mm -hmm. in 2016. She'll put her name in the hat in the convention, I'm sure. Oh, wow. Oh, oh my gosh. Tony's world. We're just going to have a show called Tony's World, Tony's World. Well, what else, what else are we excellent. looking for in Iowa here in the next few days? The town halls that CNN was going mm -hmm. to be broadcasting next week, those were canceled. Because of the impeachment Because hearings. too many people at home watching the impeachment hearings. I mean, and, yeah. and probably because a number of the candidates are Pardon. taking part in the impeachment. They can't be, they can't be in, there. And I want to be at the town hall. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and, and, and other candidates are moving on to super Tuesday states. Right. So it's not like, I mean, Bloomberg's not there, even right? taking oh, part in it. Right. It's fun. I mean, yeah, you're so much fun. literally, you could be in a library. Mm -hmm. And you have a candidate for president there. You, not only that, you know, but the you know. phone banks are filled with people from all <laughs> yeah. over the yeah. country. When I was out there for, for Jeb Bush in 16, I'm sitting next to a former UN ambassador on one side and Jeb Bush's brother on the other side making phone calls to the average Iowa farmer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and the guy, will, what was his name? Ned, I think, was Jeb's brother. He'd call, he'd say, hi, I'm Ned Bush. And people would say, Jeb Bush's brother? You know, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> It's just it's it's just a whole <laughs> microcosm of yeah. the political world, and it's just fascinating. Well, they get to see the candidates up close, knocking on doors. They want you to do that. You have to do that. Yeah, you have to stream. Right. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens out there. Any any bets on Iowa? We've been taking bets all day. Can mm -hmm. you bet on? Mm -hmm. You can't bet on this yet legally. You can bet on anything. You're not. You're not. That might be. Yeah. That might be scaled back soon. We'll see. I don't know. Get your sporting bets in early. Uh, I, I think Buttigieg 
finishes in the top three. That's the only thing I'll bet on. I and think survives. It empowers him to move because on. Because if, if he doesn't, he, he may not. I, yeah. I think we'll he'll see. do well in Iowa. I also think, I, I'm from Minnesota, and so Iowa's, Minnesota. you know, our next, our next door neighbor. I lost my accent. Oh. Um, I, I was next door. I think Amy Klobuchar will probably do well there as well because she's got that, despite the fact that she made an, she ate, you know, salad from a, a uh, salad from a um, hair comb. Um, yeah. I, I think that she'll play well um, in that. And, and Buna Judge well. took some flack for suggesting um, he'd bring chips and salsa to to the uh, barbecue. It, just, it gets so petty. It just After gets so petty. It, and they're in such a bubble. <laughs> they're just in such a bubble. So but, the, all yeah. the weird questions you have to And I also TV think, cameras. though, I'll say this too. I think Warren's, Warren has a really solid team with deep Iowa ties, and I think she could do well there as well. Any other surprises I'll say, you see? I'll say Sanders, Biden, Warren, Buttigieg. I think Sanders will win in Iowa. I think he will. And, and if he wins there and New Hampshire, no Democratic candidate has ever won those two states yeah, and not gone on to win the nomination. Come to South Carolina, yeah. and you'll get beat. Yeah. So yeah. that opinion exactly. that story. Right. Biden has a big so, lead uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. I think he Joe does. Biden will either be one or two in Iowa and maybe one or two in, in New Hampshire. We'll see how it all plays and out. Number one in South Carolina? And number one by... He's going to lead the field uh, in South Carolina. Robin's got sound effects. <laughs> Robin always today, has sound right? effects. Always have jazz hey, well, it's a podcast. Ones. you got to add <laughs> audio I think, sizzle. I think Robin's already playing out his presidential appointment if, within the Biden administration. <laughs> have, be, you, have you gone through the plum book yet and picked out the spot you want? I want to be involved in gaming oversight. Gaming oversight. <laughs> Bringing it full circle. I'm too focused on people eating salad with a hair comb. I, I don't think any of us have ever done that, right? No. We'll, we'll try that on a next week's podcast. Awful. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.